Hi everyone, hope you're having a great summer. Welcome to season two of our podcast, How to College First Gens, where we share the narratives of fellow first gens and get a real glimpse as to what it's like to be a first generation student before, during, and after college. For those of you tuning in for the first time, our goal here is to democratize knowledge that we've gained along the way, learn a bit more about the first gen experience, and hopefully help others going through some of the challenges we've experienced by sharing lessons learned from fellow first gens. I am Luce, one of the podcast co-hosts and a first-generation student myself. Today, we will be talking about building a community of support. Communities of support provide us with academic help, moral support, and are those set of individuals that we can turn to during tough times to help us power through and keep us motivated. Members of our communities may come and go or take some time and effort to develop and maintain. In today's episode, we'll be talking to a high school student who has already started her support community and identify some of the key components to maintaining it, a college student who speaks to how his community has evolved and why, and a college grad that shares about the challenges he's faced in finding his people. Join us today as we explore our guest stories of how they built their communities of support, how it's impacted their trajectories, and tips they offer for first gens who want to know more. Our first guest today is high school student, Shri. So Shri, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey, Luz. Thank you for having me on the show. I'm Shri. I am a rising senior at Carnegie Vanguard High School, and I'm excited to be here. Thanks, Shri. We're excited to have you here, too. So why don't you go ahead and first share a little bit about your school journey so far and and your first-gen story? Awesome. So my parents are actually immigrants from India, and they moved here in January of 2000. So it's been about 21 years since they've been here. But they did study in India, and they graduated from college in India, and they moved here. So my educational journey is very different from theirs, because I am the first in my family to go to school in America, especially high school and trying to navigate applying to colleges and such. So it's very different for me. And so finding my own community in high school has been a little different and it's been kind of challenging. Yeah, I can imagine like trying to figure out high school. I mean, high school in general can be all over the place. I actually also went to Carnegie Vanguard High School many years ago. So I definitely know what it, what it's like to go through such a difficult school. So Shri, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it's been like going through high school and like who have been some of the people that you've relied on just to get you through it? So when I did start Carnegie in freshman year, it was really hard for me to adapt because overall, I'm not really good with change. So going into high school, transitioning from middle school was a little bit harder because a lot of workload, different environment, more people in my classes, because I know like the middle school, I only had like 100 kids in my class. And then I went to like 355 at that point. So it was like big, like lots of people, people are competitive all the time. So looking for people that are there to help me give me information and just be there to help me with my academic and moral journey was a little bit harder at the beginning. But then once I started to find those people uh, that would actually help me, it was like easier. And now I'm adapted to the hard work and such. And so I just go on. Yeah. So where did you actually go and and find some of these people? I'm very much an introverted person. So going out and just like being like, hey, you like want to be my friend or whatever, like would be very difficult, just point blank. So how did you go about, you know, finding some of these people? That's true. I am like you too. Like, I think I'm more of an introvert. So like opening up to new people, it's a very hard for me because I like to keep with the same people I've had. But whenever a lot of people from my middle school actually came to my high school, so I had some middle school 
friendships then. So I still had those people. And then whenever, whenever I'm in like a class with people, so like if I was in English class and I was in science class with the same person, I would try to build a connection with them because I would see them multiple times during the day. And then whenever I like introduce myself, I'll be like, hey, like, do you want to sit with me during lunch? And then we would sit during lunch. And our lunch is usually one hour. So you could really build a connection in that one hour and really talk about your classes and such. That's how I built my friendships personally. Yeah, I think I did a similar approach. I think there was like one person from my middle school that also went to my high school. And so like initially, I think it was just like, I would just go with her and like have lunch with her. But then as I started meeting other people, like through group projects and like having the same classes, then you start getting to know people a little bit more. And then you can ask them to work on on homework together. So I think that's one of the easiest slash sneaky ways to get friends. Exactly. It's like easier to branch out that way. So now that you're going to be a senior, who are the people that you turn to for any sort of support, whether that's academic or moral support? For academic support, I turn to my friends because they know exactly what I'm going through because they're going through the similar thing. We have the same tests, same teachers, same classes and such. So that's who I turn to for academic support. For moral support, I turn to someone that has watched me grow up since I was young and his name is Robert. And since he does travel a lot, I try to like keep in contact through email FaceTiming and calling. And he's really been a big part of my life, especially whenever I'm feeling overwhelmed or stressed out. Whenever I'm just feeling mentally low, I turn to him and he really has a lot of outside knowledge because he's seen the world for like so many years now. And so he's able to give me that advice. And I also turn to my parents because we're in the same family and they know like they immigrated here. So they've had like harder struggles, but like they can relate to me to some extent, like especially with the workload because they know I go to a hard school. So they like try to give me advice, try to make me feel really good and be like it's okay like you're trying your best and such so that's who I turn to very cool so Robert I guess is is one of your mentors yes Robert's one of my mentors for sure very important too to to have mentors so early on so kudos to you Shri so for some of these relationships how have you been able to maintain them and build them over the course of, of your academic journey so far So in high school, it is hard because a lot of people are competitive. A lot of people like to gatekeep information and such. So what I really had to do was like try to sometimes I would like try to like share information. And if they didn't really do do the same favor back to me, then I'd be like, hey, like, this is not cool. Or like, I would try to call them out like in a nice, polite way. And then they would try to they would next time they would keep that in mind. And that's how I kind of built my relationships and such. And I also think like putting in some some amount of trust and confidentiality in them is very important because trust and communication go hand in hand. So if I didn't trust them enough, then I would try to like really talk about my problems and be like, hey, like this is what I'm feeling like. And then I'd be like, so how are you feeling? And then we would try to build on, on that trust. And that's how my academic support system was really strong, especially because I think communication is a big, big key. Just getting across your problems so you can solve them like immediately instead of building them up later on. As for outside of moral support, my temple community is a big part of that because I've grown up with a lot of kids in my temple community since I was like babies like in diapers so obviously had a great amount of trust put into them and they live close to me so I'm like it's easier for me to go to their house and like talk to them when I need to and such so that's how it was that's how I could connect with them. 
Yeah, I think it's very important to have trust and communication. I think you pretty much hit the nail on the head. I think that's how I've been able to maintain my my friendships. I have friends that I've had since high school that, you know, we're still friends to this day many years later because of that trust and communication and just having people that you can rely on for, you know, anything, whether it's academics or, or more support or, or whatever it is. How do you find it easier for you to connect with others? So I know you mentioned like getting to know people through your classes, but is there specific ways that help you connect with those people or like make those first, you know, conversations or connections? So like I said earlier, I did like try to look for people in my classes and such. Then I also did it through clubs at my school and like different extracurriculars because I think that was really important whenever so, like in my freshman year, I joined a club called HOSA, which is for health professions and such. I was just trying to explore my horizons. And in that club, I met a few people that were also interested in like health and learning about that and like competitions and such, which allowed me to build those relationships there. And then whenever I joined the board member for Red Cross, I became secretary. I was really able to build those relationships again, like about volunteering and like health work and going out and helping people's lives and such that really like helped me bond with people that actually cared about the same things I was passionate about. And that's how I built my relationships. Yeah, I think that's also super key that sometimes it might be maybe a little bit difficult for some people to find those connections straight away through maybe just classes and homework. But when you branch out to extracurricular activities or other activities like that, you're obviously there because you share some of the same values or passions or interests. So when you connect with somebody through that, like it's, you know, that you have something in common already that you can kind of start with and, and dive a little bit deeper to make that personal relationship. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about some of the groups that you're involved in and, and how they're part of your community? So I'll just talk about a couple of them. So I mentioned Red Cross already, so I'll move on to the next one. So in 2018 and 2019, especially in 2018, whenever the record, a large record of school shooting started to happen, um, a lot of gun violence and such, and that spilled over to like 2019 and such. And then whenever my neighbor became like a victim of gun violence, it really opened my eyes to the gun violence issue in our community, especially. And so I started to do extensive research over my summer and found the March for Our Lives Houston chapter, which really allowed me to work with people that were very passionate about preventing gun violence and working on legislation and such. And in March for Our Lives, there are different committees. So I joined the legislation committee because I really love researching. I love researching the bills who are our representatives in our um, county and Harris County and such. And I love being involved in the legal action and the legal process of getting like bills passed and such. So that was the committee that I joined. And whenever I joined, I was about, I was able to work with people that I also liked to research and do the legal actions. So that's how I really bonded and that built my com community. Um, are these all just with like students with, within your high school or is it like people outside of your high school too? It's open to all of Houston. So actually only for my school, especially my grade, there's only a couple of people that are part of it. So it's like different high schools. So it's not just like people that I know in my high school. It's like I can branch out to new people and such. And it's easier for me to bond with them. Gotcha. Actually, that's a really cool way of just getting to know other people too and making these connections that you otherwise probably wouldn't have like, you know, been exposed to. Cool. Okay, so so what have been some of the difficulties or like challenges with, with trying to like build that community of support for you? So you mentioned you're like maybe a little bit of an introvert. So I don't know if, if that sometimes brings a little, a couple challenges with it. That hinders me a lot because a lot of people that I'm friends with are extroverts. So it's easier for them to make friends. Like they will have like one conversation and be like, oh, like that's like my best friend. Or like they'd be like, 
oh my God, we're friends already. But for me, it's like a little bit harder for me to open up, I guess. And it's like hard for me to approach. That's um, been a little bit of a hindrance, like a little bit of challenge. But like, like I said earlier, joining things that make you passionate really helped me overcome that. And then also my parents immigrated here from India. So obviously building like a community that kind of understands me going through or I'm applying, I'm the first one applying to college in the US. So my parents don't really know that much about the process and such. They can't really help me in that sense. So I have to look for other ways to get that information and knowledge and do my own research, like especially, and then also ask for like, like I said, my mentor, Robert, he actually has a lot of examples of people that like apply to colleges. So he's able to help me out, help me out a little bit about that. I'm able to go to like a couple of my teachers if I need help, like with any problems that I have when applying to colleges and like also going to my friends because some of my friends, a lot of my friends now, they graduated high school. So they, I can ask them to help me with a little bit of the process or like editing my essays and such. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point of like making sure you have friends that are a little bit older and like like upperclassmen as you're going through it because then they can like learn it themselves and then teach you how to do a lot of that stuff. Because I think that's that's like a really important thing that like you learn from others. So if you can get that information elsewhere too, then you're not the only one trying to figure it out by yourself. Yeah, especially for you since, yeah, you're the oldest. <laughs> Because I, well, for me, so I'm the second. So my older sister had already applied to college by the time I was applying. And I still felt like I needed a ton of support. So I can't imagine what it's like for you. But yeah, it's it's definitely helpful when you have others that have gone through it, like, and that have gone through it recently that can really provide that support. And I think that's why uh, it's really important to, to start thinking about building this, like, community of support, even through high school and, and beyond high school. So, so now that you are going to be a senior and are starting to think about college and what comes next so have you given any thought to like what your community of support will look like beyond high school like well are you going to like seek out new people are you gonna are some people gonna you know follow you along the journey like how how's that looking for you college seems a very scary place to be because i'd be like thrown into a campus that i've never been to lots of new people lots of opportunities i think it would be building a supporting college might be a little bit easier because i've done it through high school especially like i've already gone through it once i think i'd be able to carry that over especially into college do a lot of networking on my own and like i said earlier a lot of my friends are already going to college so maybe like learning from how they built connections and such and also in college you have a roommate so that's already like one connection there and whenever you make connections and they make connections. You can like have a whole group of networking right there. And then I'm planning on going into engineering. So hopefully like pe- making friends with people who are interested in engineering, passionate about that. That's that's how I see my support group looking like in college. Yeah, sounds like you have a pretty good plan. And I think that's that's more or less how, how I went about it. Like you start tomorrow with like the roommates and like the people that are, you know, just physically close and then branch out to like people in your major so that you can form study groups because especially in engineering, it makes all the difference. They definitely will become your, your support in, in a lot of the academic ways to get through, you know, late nights and, and tons of homework. So one question for you related to the pandemic. So, you know, part of your high school experience now has been through this pandemic where a lot of it was virtual. So how did that impact the way you like either reached out to to people in your community or like even build new connections? So I only had one full year of high school, which is my freshman year. And then my sophomore year got cut off. So in the middle of that, we were still trying to adapt to like the schooling process, especially because 
it just got transferred virtually. So teachers are trying to figure that out. The students were trying to figure out how to work it, turning them assignments and such. So it was a little bit harder at the beginning, especially keeping those connections because we were trying to just figure things out on our own before like asking for help and such. I think that was a little bit difficult. And then whenever I knew that my junior year would be online, I started to like really reach out to my friends and be like, hey, like I need help with this assignment. Like, do you want to work on it? Like build study groups virtually because now we knew how to work it online. And then also I got really close with my neighbor because she lives really close to me. We grew up since we were like really young, but she is one year ahead of me. So our friendship was kind of different in that sense, but we got really close together. And so I was always like hanging out with her we were always so I I didn't feel alone because I had her and she had me so in that sense I was very fortunate for someone my age to live close to me and that I wasn't all just online I still had some physical like connection that makes it so much better but still like high school students so still kind of knows like what it's like to go through the process my last question to you here is so for other high school students out there in the audience, what would be some useful tips or some advice that you would offer for the for people that like want to know how to start building a community and how to like get that support? I really think a freshman year of high school in ninth grade has to be like um, the foundation. So just getting to know everyone, getting to know like the clubs on your campus joining clubs, talking with your teachers, building a connection and relationship with your teachers, because I feel like that's really important. And then in sophomore year, if you're really passionate about a certain topic, start a club, start a chapter, get other people that are as passionate as you about that topic and get them to join your chapter and club. Because for me, that was really important, especially like in sophomore year, I co-founded a club with my friend and it really helped me build my leadership skills, build my communication skills, build my organizational skills. I think that's really important. Like just starting something on your own really gives you that motivation and that empowerment that you are a leader, that you are capable of doing everything that you can. And that's how you can build your community, especially like if it's small, just starting off small and then building. That's always like being a big tip of mine. And then also just making sure that your friendships are strong, that they are your friends are there for you. They're like, they accept you. They will help you along like any hardship. Like if you're having a hard time, that they won't leave, that they'll be there. Even during your good times, they'll celebrate. So I think those are like my two major tips. Definitely. I would agree with, with both of those things. Start starting small, making sure, you know, the people that you're surrounding yourself with, like are people you can trust, communicate with, you, you know, share either interest or something with that like really connects you. So I think those that's really great advice. So thank you so much, Sri, for joining us today, offering a little bit about your story and, and some great tips for other high school students out there who are interested in building their own communities of support. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Next up is college student Mason. So Mason, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? Hey y'all, my name is Mason Aldridge. I am from Fayette, Alabama, which is a small town outside of Tuscaloosa, Alabama, where I attend the University of Alabama, majoring in nursing. I currently serve as president for a first-generation organization on campus called First Fellows, as well as president for Tuscaloosa Men in Nursing. And I recently founded a nonprofit organization called the RH Factor, which focuses on helping other people pursue rural health degrees and educating about what it's like to live in rural areas and being healthy in rural areas with limited access. Cool. Sounds like you're keeping yourself pretty busy then. I honestly am. I don't really stop work very much. Even on my off days, I'm doing an internship right now in Memphis, Tennessee at St. Jude's Children's Research Hospital. And I find myself like typing emails out every single day, even when I'm not at work. 
So before we dive into to the topic at hand today, why don't you walk us briefly through what your college journey has been like so far? So junior year of high school, I started looking at colleges and I was like, I don't really know where I want to do or like where I want to go. And so I applied for this program at the University of Alabama called the Rural Health Scholars. And I'll I'll try this out if I get accepted. And I ended up getting accepted and fell in love with the university and what it stands for and how they want to give back to the communities around us too. And that was something that was really important to me. And so senior year, I kind of felt lost in the crowd with all my friends and my main friend group had kind of been like legacy students, you know, all their family had went to a particular university. And here I am as a first gen, not knowing where to go. And so I just applied everywhere that I could. I had like free applications and then a few we paid for. And I was like, I don't know where I'm going to end up, but that's kind of how I felt going into my senior year. But I knew UA felt like home. I just did not know how to get there, to be honest. And so we went back and forth trying to get college paid for and I ended up right where I was supposed to be. And during my time at UA, I've had a lot of growth, transition and getting involved in really putting myself out there and finding out who I am. And I think that was the biggest thing I needed for college. Yeah, I think that's all too common for first gens and maybe just students in general when they get to college, just trying to figure out where they belong, what makes them feel like they're at home if they've left home and For you, how far away was it from home? It's only an hour, so it's not that far of a distance, but it's still like enough where I'm out on my own. But if I have a bad day or need some mama Tom, you know, I can drive back and get a good home cooked meal. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) very nice. So did you have this community of support when you were in high school? And if so, like, what did that look like? Who who were your cheerleaders? So I think my biggest cheerleaders in high school were really my core friend group. I know we all were really close and wanted to stick together as much as we could. And then my high school counselor was really a big advocate for me. I would spend hours in her office every day trying to figure out like how to apply to college, like what a resume was, what was the fastball. I literally had no idea what I was doing with that. So I'd spend hours in her office every day and she would help me out. And then my parents and sister were like my biggest supporters and really like the ones that get me where I'm trying to go and support me every step of the way. I can definitely relate. I think for me, it was also that core friend group who were all also first gens. And so we were all just trying to figure out what everything was. And when somebody figured out something, they would share it with everyone else. And we definitely spent countless hours with our with our counselor just getting all this stuff figured out. So when you figured out like where you were going to college and then you got to college, how did that support community change? Kind of felt like I lost the support in a sense because it wasn't directly there in my face. But when I would look on social media, like if I posted anything or like if I got accepted into like an organization or like something great happened, I would get a bunch of comments like telling me how proud people were of me or like, you know, things like that. But it wasn't directly there, like being by my side every single day. And so it kind of felt different. Like there was this weird shift of like, okay, like I feel like I'm supported, but I also don't feel like I have any support. And so the biggest way for me to like find out who my cheerleaders were in college, like especially freshman year in that transition period, was just getting involved and finding people who had similar interests as me and that were also first-gen students. Because like you said, I mean, once one person figures something out, we all kind of pass it along and help each other out. And I think that was the biggest thing of support to get me through that transition period was really finding and helping other people get through and which in turn helped me get through because it's a trickle-down effect. Sometimes we all like lend a hand and 
pull each other through. Yeah, I definitely love that. So when I got to college, there was like nobody in my high school that also went with me. So I definitely felt like I was completely alone. I like didn't know anyone. And so for me, I like try to reach out to people that maybe had like similar backgrounds so that I can like connect with someone. So what was your experience like when you first got to college? So I had a few friends that went to college with me from high school and we stayed really close like freshman year. But as we like went into the year and got into like our actual like academic careers, I feel like we kind of drifted apart in the sense that we don't hang out as much. Like we'll try to get together at major like holidays and when everyone's free, but having that time together, like, like we did in high school, it wasn't there. And so really seeking out opportunities to find people that were similar to me in the sense of like being a first gen or interested in nursing or politics you know that was really what helped me get through the mess of freshman year and really finding out what offices and departments on campus really offered support to first-gen students and first-year students on campus really helped me a lot yeah I think for me getting to know people was a little scary and intimidating when I first got there but I think the university did a really good job about having like set programming in place like for example like during orientation where like there was like small groups where where people could really get to know each other. And then from there, it made it easier and more comfortable for me to expand out and get to know others. So first day after moving in on campus, I had gotten a scholarship and it forced us to go to this thing called Camp 1831. And it was basically like a three-day day camp orientation where they put you in small groups. And I was like, at first... I was like, this is not for me. Like, why are you making me do this? I don't want to talk to people because I don't know anyone. Like, where's my people from home? I've known since kindergarten. And then I like took my cold cap off and really invested into it. And I got so much out of it. And I loved it so much that I went back and did the program for two more years afterwards, serving as like a counselor and I think that was like one of the biggest turning points for me was realizing like these people don't really know who I am. I don't know who these people are. And if we want to make it through this, we are going to have to have that conversation, take our cool caps off and get to know each other. Because I mean, at the end of the day, everyone has something they can bring to the table. Yeah, definitely. I think it's funny how you said you were like forced to do this stuff. And it's funny because like at the time when you have to do these kind of activities, you're like, oh no, like I have to like do this again. And, and it feels forced. But like, then you like look back and you're like oh my gosh like that made all the difference and it's funny because like I appreciate it so much more now like having to go through all these you know quote-unquote forced activities yeah sometimes it seems questionable and then you're like looking back and you're like man I really miss that that was so much fun like this is my first time not going to camp 1831 since I've gotten to college and I'm like I really miss this like I miss dancing in front of people and like acting like I have no brains in my head because you know that's what college kids do (laughs) Yeah, because I think in like those kind of activities where you really get to be who you are with other people, then you really start developing those like friendships and those relationships that will kind of build that that community of support going forward. For sure. I think being authentic and being vulnerable with people and actually listening to what people have to say, like really makes a difference in building that relationship. Like you can put yourself out there all day, but if you're not being authentic and genuine, you'll never get past that barrier of being acquaintances or just having that one conversation. It'll stop and you'll always try to figure out what's happened. For sure. So now that you're going into your last year in college, how do you feel like this community of yours has changed since you first started college? Honestly, I kind of feel like college is one of those like middle school things where everyone's trying to figure out who they are and what they want to be. And so as I've gone through college, my friend group and my core support group has changed a lot 
just depending on what career academic paths we've taken, like mainly with our schedules. My major is very involved. Like I'm always on the go for like clinicals or class. And so I don't get to see my friends or my support group very often. And then finding out like my self-worth and knowing who I want to be really helped me like kind of refine and take a fine tooth comb to like my core group, you know, like trying to not only continue to lift others up, but have people that will pour into me as well. When I need to take a step back and need someone to really listen to me and like be there for me in my time of need too. And so I think that's how my core group has changed. I've really went through and like kind of found people that are on the same path and have the same priorities and mindset as me. But I've also been open-minded to different ideas and beliefs because like I said earlier, everyone has something that they can bring to the table. And I think finding those people that are different than you and acknowledging those differences, but also working together to form better relationships and make better progress from those differences can really make a whole lot of difference in a relationship. Absolutely. I definitely agree with you that going out and like seeking people that were similar in terms of career goals and academics or and just people that had the same values was really important to me. And I ended up going about that by like going out and, and being part of like extracurricular activities and like seeking people that were interested in the same things or like people in my major and for, forming study groups. Those became the people that became my support group and my community and, and lifted me through time I was in college. So uh, for you, what did that look like? And how did you find these people like for sure my major helped a lot you definitely build some really strong bonds after you wipe someone's butt together for sure like it sounds really crude but it's definitely the truth <laughs> like it's just a whole another bond because then you're like at the end of the day you're like wow we really did that why did we do that but going out and finding people or getting involved I was always the one that kind of sat back and let people kind of show themselves first and then I always saw myself more introverted and so I would always pick out the intro or the extroverted people to be friends with because I was like this is who I want to be and so like I would let them showcase themselves first and be like okay I want to be buddy up with them that way I can kind of like feed off of them and like pull out some of my quirkiness too but I think that's kind of how I found people my major definitely helped a lot like I said and really getting involved and invested in campus in turn invested in me too because it gave me friendships and bonds that I would have never thought I would have had otherwise. I mean, there's people I'm friends with that I was like, if I would like would have found you on my own, I don't know how this friendship would have worked. But once you share a mutual like bond or connection in some way, the relationship you have is irrefutable. Like it's so much stronger once you have something that you can talk about all the time and really connect with each other on a deeper level. I totally resonate with the whole buddying up with like an extroverted person because that would be my strategy as well. Because yeah, I definitely let the other other people speak first because it, it is definitely not in my nature to be the one to to showcase myself first. But yeah, I think that's really funny that that, that was also your strategy and it works really well. It works well for me too. I mean, it, it's helped me get into some leadership positions too. I'm not going to lie, like serving as president for the rural health factor and men in nursing and first fellows. I'm like, I don't think I would have done this, but following the extroverted people in front of me, I'm like, okay, I kind of know what I'm doing, but I don't really know what I'm doing at all. Yeah, it's also funny because I feel like I also like relied on like my community to like help me develop a lot of these other skills that like you don't learn in class, but are super useful just when you get out into the world. And like, I wouldn't have ever thought of doing a lot of these things had it not been for trying to be like them too and leaning on on other people to, to learn what else is out there. 
Yes. One of the biggest things I'm working on right now for Burst Fellows actually is developing those leadership and like professional skills, because I feel like we've got a really good grasp of what it's like being a high school student and getting to college. But we kind of lose that support as we graduate, you know, and trying to continue on that. And uh, so we developed a position called the Director of Professional Engagement that's going to go through and help build these interview skills and communication and resume and leadership abilities that can continue on into their professional world and help them grow their community of support even after graduation. Because it's like we get into this role of being a high school student and then losing all of our support, going to college, getting all this support, and then graduating and losing it again because we all move off and go our separate ways. And so really finding how to make those friends even after college, I think has been a huge thing for us, at least at First Fellows. Definitely. And, and yeah, that's definitely why we wanted to start this podcast as well, because we also saw some of that gap. And, and so I think it's really awesome that you guys are, are trying to tackle that and like build that community support while you're still in college and then going back and like seeking out people already out, getting them to be part of the community for, for First Fellows. We follow by example. Y'all did it first, invested in us, and we're like, mm, these are professionals. Let's let them do it first, and we'll see how they do it, and then we'll kind of do a little spin off. <laughs> nice. So going off of that a little bit, so what do you think were some of those difficulties that you face in trying to build and maintain this community of support for you as you've gone through your, your years in college and as you start looking into, you know, after you graduate? One of the biggest challenges for me has really been like scheduling and prioritizing friendships. Like I said earlier, my major is really involved and finding those times where it's like either me time or like I need to be with friends, you know, that's been like a very delicate balance, especially during COVID because we all got isolated and trying to figure out those ways to really invest in others and have those relationships and bonds continue on was really difficult, but we made it work through Zoom or, you know, sitting outside and just hanging out with each other at like a safe distance or in mask, you know, getting those ways to be with each other, even if it wasn't in the sense of like actually being with each other physically really helped just knowing who you are really helps too because it'll all start falling into place once you're comfortable with yourself and who you are because people love you for you there's only one you in this world so why try to be someone else is what i always try to remind myself and people will be attracted to you because of yourself and who you are and who you want to be and so i think that's really important as a person trying to build relationships is knowing your self-worth and who you are honestly one of the biggest things that hindered my like building relationship ability was my anxiety i have a lot of anxiety about like being extroverted and like going out and doing a lot of things and so getting over that and like putting that one foot forward and getting out there and really putting myself out there i realized i actually enjoy doing things more than what i originally anticipated i would like i overthink a lot and i always anticipate the worst scenario is going to happen and it never does like a meteor is not going to crash if i go out to dinner with some friends you know and so getting out there and like really putting my thoughts and my anxieties behind me and taking that foot forward to really connect with others has really helped in maintaining and building those relationships as well. Well, thank you so much for sharing, Mason. I think to finish off here, so what would be some useful tips or advice that you could offer maybe incoming students that are trying to figure out how to go about and building their own community of support? The biggest thing is start the conversation, actively listen to people and invest into them because in turn, they're going to invest in you. I mean, someone told me one time that like, if you can get someone to talk about themselves, they can talk all day because 
people like to talk about themselves for some reason. But if you can listen to them, hear what they have to say, they're in turn going to want to hear what you have to say too. Put yourself out there, get involved, be authentic, be you, because there's no one else like you. But at the same time, know who you are and spend some time with yourself and get involved, not only in organizations, but involved in who you want to be too. Like invest in things that are going to help you later on too, because this is your life, make it what you want it to be. And then so like one advice that I have for people is it's really corny and it it came from camp 1831 so it's this quote that says you'll never know what cloud you'll land on when shooting for the stars so take that leap and reach new heights because once you get there there's a whole galaxy after you get to your goal and so just keep shooting and going on further and farther because new doors are going to open and opportunities are going to fall into your lap so don't let anything hinder you because it's your world and the galaxy is waiting for you couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Mason, for joining us today and talking a little bit about your experience and your own community of support, which hopefully, you know, you can keep beyond college. Because I know a lot of the people that I met through college still continue to be friends now. And and those relationships that you build and, and that community of support doesn't have to go away when you graduate. Oh, for sure. I have friends that are for life. And I'm so thankful for them. And so thankful for this opportunity to come on to the podcast and speak. I think it's a wonderful podcast and has a lot of insightful tips and advice for first-gen students as well. Our final guest today is college grad Josh. So Josh, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our audience? Hi, everyone. My name's Josh Ferris. I'm a 2019 first-gen grad from the University of Virginia. I majored in youth and social innovation, which is part of our education school. And I use that platform to really focus my education on the experiences and challenges that first-generation low-income students have within education, both entering into education, persisting through education, and transitioning out and out of education to the workforce or graduate studies. And currently, I just finished up a role that I was contracted with in Philadelphia. I've been doing speaking on some platforms, but I'm actually trying to get my most recent research published, getting that word out to the colleges and universities so that they can better support first-generation low-income students. That's really cool about your research, and hopefully we get to see that published real soon. I think you have like a really cool perspective that as a first-gen yourself that's also in this space trying to advocate for first-gens, what has been some of your biggest surprises trying to go back and then help others through the first-gen experience? On the student side, I don't think that's what surprised me, though. I think what surprised me the most has been that those that work with first-gen students at a high school level or at college level, they don't exactly understand the full breadth of challenges and experiences that these students have. And so they don't feel fully equipped or prepared to help them deal with these challenges at an institutional level. And depending on the university or institution, there might be a large community of support for them, or there may not. Well, not all people or individuals that work with these students believe that the students, the challenges they have are actual challenges that need to be addressed. So that's kind of what's been surprising to me is some of the apathy that you can encounter in higher education. So why don't you tell us a little bit about like your own first gen story and how that maybe is comparing to the kind of work that you're doing now? So I grew up in a rural Southwest Virginia. So it was a farming community and so small you had more cows and people. I am the oldest of five. I grew up with my mom and my stepdad. My mom was a waitress growing up. My stepdad worked in trucking. And then my dad spent the majority of my life in and out of prison. So I was very quite used to having that 
lack of support when you have both your parents working all the time. You have to figure a lot out yourself. As I've progressed on to high school, my last two years of school, I will say were the hardest because I was both going to two schools at the same time and I was working two jobs. And so that was actually for me harder than college. And I almost dropped out of high school because it was just so much to take on at once. But I'll never forget on December 1st, 2014, I was awarded a full scholarship through QuestBridge to attend the University of Virginia. The thing about attending the University of Virginia or UVA was that I never got to visit it before I went. And it looked good on pen and paper. But when I got there, I didn't realize that it was a prestigious school, that it was a very elite school. I honestly did not know that. And so I get there and I felt really out of place immediately. So I was really nervous, honestly, in a social aspect. So there were just a lot of things that I didn't know that I had to figure out myself. And you don't exactly figure it out immediately or even consciously. I'll give you an example. When I first attended a party, I'll never forget, I I come up and someone asks the typical questions, hey, what's your name? What's your major? What year are you? And they always ask this one question that ends down a rabbit hole. And that is, what do your parents do? And I'm a very open person. So I said, well, my mom wasn't working. She was unemployed. My stepdad was a custodian and my dad was in prison oh wow how did you get here my parents drove me they just seemed so amazed by my response they kept asking questions and oh wow someone's interested in me and then they let me introduce you to someone they introduced me to someone and they asked the same exact questions and it took me seven or eight times to realize that i was being passed around like, like a circus show and i was really upset by that because my story my narrative was so different or counteractive to what they experienced growing up. So I left and I was really upset. And that was just one of many instances of feeling like I didn't exactly belong in those moments because it wasn't just from peers all the time. Sometimes it was from faculty and staff as well. So it took me a while to realize that it wasn't just the fact of coming from a poor background, but also the impact of your parents not attending college before you let alone an elite school that really makes up a lot of the differences in how you interact and experience college. Yeah, so it seems like you had a pretty rough start there. So going back to the topic at hand today, did you have any sort of community that supported you along the way? Or did you maybe after that instance, start developing that? I'm a pretty gregarious person. So I'm always putting myself out there trying new things. So my first year really just tried going and visiting as many clubs as possible or trying to get involved as many extracurriculars as possible. Trying to get to know people in my classes really didn't want to have friends. The people I lived with in my dorm were completely different from me. They were all wanting to rush into frat. So not nice that it was bad, but it was very different from what I was experiencing. And so I'll say out of the four years of me continuously trying to probe different communities at the university and find my belonging, whether it be there or outside of the university in the surrounding uh, city, I think the ones I most related to were the dining hall workers. And so I spent a good bit of my time in the dining hall because it wasn't just a chance for food, but also for fellowship and really catching up with the dining staff, seeing what was going on in their lives and also talking about experiences that I knew that my peers at school wouldn't understand. And I, was, I became very careful of that because I realized when I started talking about some challenges I was having at home, my family not being able to have enough money for electricity that month, I would have people, both staff, faculty, and students say, have you thought about therapy? Which I get the sentiment, but just because I'm experiencing something with family, which is constant, doesn't always equate to therapy because you don't know how to support me. 
So that kind of was hurtful. So when I'm talking with the dining workers, we were still different in some ways, of course. I think some of the challenges I was experiencing in regards to poverty, they could relate with. And they weren't going to tell me, oh, maybe you should go see a therapist. So I have a great appreciation for the those that work at universities or and support the students in non-administrative and non-academic ways. Okay. So yeah, so it sounds like you kind of took a little bit of an unconventional approach to finding your community. It sounds like you tried tapping into the, the rest of the student body and when that didn't quite work out. You searched elsewhere to find that community. So how did that change throughout your time? There was definitely an evolution because I did try to find a community for people that were first-generation low-income like myself, maybe not realizing that as an identity term itself, but just trying to find that, which at University of Virginia, I think it's like 12% identify as those types of backgrounds, very small. When I first started, there was an organization called UFUSE, which was, I think, United for Undergraduate Socioeconomic Diversity. And they were going to have a meeting. I remember I, want, I desperately wanted to go to this meeting. And I had to go all the way across campus, and it was storming. And I mean profusely. So I ran through the storm. I got myself soaked to the bone. So I show up, and I am... It's, I'm, I'm like a slug. I am just dripping and carrying water. And I didn't care because I was going to this. And so I show up and I go in that door and there's, I think, a total of four people, two or three students, and then two people running the program. They look at me and their eyes just get really big. What happened to you? So that was my dedication commitment. And they weren't very engaged. No one seemed very enthused. And they said they were going to have another meeting in a couple of weeks. And then it never happened after that. They disbanded. So... By the time I got into my third year, I attended a conference as a national conference for first generation low income college students. And it opened my eyes up of seeing first gen as an identity piece so much so that I realized that I wanted to do the work for that. So I decided I was going to direct the conference the following year at UVA and bring students across the country there for free. And it really was my first experience going into activism and really advocating at the university on the needs of first generation low income students, saying that we we deserve better just because we're we're used to little and we accept little does not mean we deserve little we deserve a lot more so after the conference finished i was doing some various opportunities as well to help emulate that so there between writing a curriculum to develop a class for first gen students at the policy school help developing a guide through the career center to use and then i used whatever the remaining funds of the conference to start up our own student organization for first generation low income students because we had not had one and now, right before the pandemic, it had grown to a couple hundred students, and they went from my seed of like a thousand or five hundred dollars to fifteen or twenty thousand dollars, and had their own program. So I was impressed relatively by the interest in finding community there. I didn't feel it myself, so I decided to try to, to help build it before I left. I think that's so important that yeah, when when you don't see it, you you build it for yourself so that you can have that and like leave it as a legacy for for other students. So that's amazing. So what was that conference that you helped organize at UVA? Align is short for the Alliance of Low Income First Generation Narrative. So it's a conference series that is hosted at different universities each year. I had it hosted at UVA and directed it there. But it was life changing in a sense because it was my first chance at seeing that there is one a community at that level, but also two the work I had been doing in high school and college. I didn't know there was a, an, an industry for it. Honestly, it was an epiphany for me because every time I hear someone's story, what they went through or the challenges they're facing, the lack of being able to have people here or try to support them, 
it fueled me. Like, how can I be that person or get you to that person? How did you first learn about it? It was kind of serendipitous, actually. I had just gotten a newsletter from one of the vice provosts who sent it through some of the deans that sent it to some of the students. And funny enough, I was actually the only one interested at the school. So I, I wrote up a little proposal for the vice president to cover our travel and our food there. And I learned, I met the founder and the founder said that they had it at a different university each year. And it's usually a three-day conference. It's usually a weekend conference. So each university gets to decide how they're going to get the students there, fund them, what the program's going to look like, what they're going to focus on, et cetera. But it's usually a whole team of students that that works together to plan it alongside with administration at that university. Yeah. So it seems like, yeah, you're definitely the kind of person that you tried the traditional approach. And then when that didn't work out, you went and and found other avenues to to surround yourself with that support community. So that's really cool. Well, I will say I kind of thought when I first got to the university, there were nine other scholars through QuestBridge that were my year. And some of the others in other years, but we never really had a community. The university, they held a lunch for us once at the beginning of the semester and one at the end of the semester, but that was it. We didn't have much else that we did amongst each other. So that I was really looking forward to finding that as a community. And my second year, all the people I lived with were, were Quest scholars, but we just all had different lives, different interests, different majors of study. So it didn't become the community I thought it might be. Yeah, I actually had a similar experience. I think Questbridge just wasn't quite as developed or as it seems like maybe it is now. And so, yeah, I think we met like a couple times during the year and and that was it. So I also had to like find my community elsewhere. I have actually found that Questbridge now has been more useful as an alumni because they've been pushing out a lot more like alumni stuff. I mean, that's how I met you. So I really like that they're building that now for alumni because when I graduated from college, then I felt like I was back to zero in terms of like having a community that I could rely on to like understand what that first gen experience was like. So I don't know like what it was like for you when you did graduate and like how your community of support sort of changed after that. It is different. High school and college and career are very different from each other in terms of supports because I'm not talking about resources. I'm talking about people. When you're in high school, your teachers really and staff, a lot of them really do go out of your way to try to make connections with you outside the classroom. Whereas when you go to college, one, that's not their job. Two, they don't have that interest in doing so. If you want to build a relationship with a professor or other staff member, you really have to take your own initiative of going out of your way to connecting with them, which it's so opposite of each other. There's no training wheels to go from one to the other. And no one tells you this either. So um, that I did struggle with that in college as well. I'm, I'm very, I'm a go-getter. So I do connect with lots of people. And you know, I, I got to know the various vice presidents and deans and the president himself. And it was really hard to have relationships even within professors just because they were the way they acted in class was so different as an individual. And sometimes that narrative clashed of what my experience was versus their experience. And that was hard for me to take initially and still to this day does. But in, and then transitioning to career, this is where it becomes really dependent on the type of industries you go into, right? So especially if you're first gen and low income, you might find more people from your background if you go into education, health, or human services that versus going into STEM or banking, or there are just not going to be as many people that are come from those backgrounds. And so that may be a challenge. And in college and graduate school, 
you have a lot of unstructured time, you decide on how you want to use it. Whereas in when you work, depending on the career, you might have very rigid hours that you're working and that is dictated for you. And so building relationships after college, you have to, again, make sure you go out of your way, but you've got to be strategic about it too. I think someone once told me that you should always be spending between 10 and 20% of your time networking in a job. If that's If that were the case, how do you find people when you're in one specific area? So like if you're trying to find other people in your profession, that's easier. But if you're trying to branch out in, in other communities, then how are you in? The, are you sharing same space with them so you can run in with them? COVID, that's not really happening as much. So you really have to think about how you can carve out time to build relationship for people that you want to be as part of your community. Because the way I see community, I think of each community as a set of person, as one person, right? So you don't go, oftentimes, you don't go to one individual for all your needs, right? You might go to your mom for one thing, and you might go to your friend about another thing, because you know they might be better at supporting you in different ways. So, and I say this just because your time at work is so dictated and structured, and it leaves you very little time to go and explore other communities, where when you're in college, you're so close. All these different communities you can just tap into right there, and that's, why it's important, if you can, to build, to access those communities while you're in college and to make relationships with those people. That way it's easier for you to tap into them and can stay connected with them after college. Because the one, the last thing I'll say about this is that a lot of our relationships are forged by convenience. And by that, I mean, when you're sharing a class together or an extracurricular together and you're in the same space, it's easy to connect or stay connected with people. You can just bump into them. Hey, what's up? What's been going on? But when when you move away, and this is something that hit me really, really hard, is you really have to work at maintaining the connections that you made. And then do you want it to be about work or about some shared purpose? Or do you want it to be about you? I think that's the difference between a personal relationship and a network. Yeah, and I think you hit on like one of those key challenges for college grads that go enter into that workforce that yeah if they didn't forge some of those wider net set of connections while in college while it was much easier to then it definitely becomes a challenge later on and like how do you forge this relationship when you can't bump into someone so I guess what would be some other challenges that you have faced I'm only the first to admit and this is something that's something about me even before college I'm very good at what I do so everybody knows me through work. I have a very large network, but I don't really have personal relationships, right? I have a couple people in my family, but that's about it because I was so focused in school on my academics and and getting ahead and making a better life for myself that I didn't really vibe in a social way with a lot of those around me. And not saying that there was something wrong per se, but you've got to carve time out for social relationships and keeping up with them. So I can hit up a lot of people and say, hey, I have this new project that I want to start up. You want to help? Anything professional related, but they're not necessarily going to be people that I want to hit up and say, hey, like I've had a hard day. Can you just let's just talk? That's that's not going to happen. And so you really got to think about you've got to find friends that are not based off of work. And these are they don't have to be many, but you've got to either one be willing to put in the work to make sure they stay personal, because if not, they fade into the professional they become networks. For someone to stay personal, 
requires commitment and it's actually what we call friend intimacy. And so it's a mix of intimacy, reciprocity, and attentiveness. And so that's what kind of makes people have be have intimate friendships. But otherwise, transitioning out in terms of making friends or any type of relationship when you're working, one, don't just do work. You don't want all of your friends to be for work because one, you're going to just talk about work. And two, what happens if you ever have any conflicts, then you got to take it to the workplace. So you really got to think about besides what you do or produce for society, what do you want to continue to consume? What do you want to continue to learn? Do you want to start a new hobby? Do you have a new goal for any exercise plans? Do you want to get involved in the community, whether through service or through music or other recreational outlet? And think about how you can just put yourself out there. They don't have to all have the same background as you or similar experiences, but it's important you have some that do, but also being exposed to various communities that support you and fit your various needs beyond just one or two identities. So I think that is a hard challenge for a lot of first-generation low-income students because oftentimes no one told them how to do the, navigate this during or after college. And a lot of them are afraid to make those big leaps. It, it was a big leap for them just to leave home and go to college. Not all of them even did that. A lot of them chose to commute for financial reasons or supporting family. And that's something that a lot of them continue to do after college. It's really up to you on what you define as community and who you want to be in those various communities that you want to be a part of. Yeah, I think you've summarized like what those challenges are and then have offered some really valuable tips for our first-gen audience on trying to make sure to carve out that time, build those personal connections. And uh, honestly, I think, yeah, you can definitely start with, with a network and then take it a step beyond that and develop them into personal relationships so that you do have that support community as you keep going through your journey. Any last things you want to mention? So I did produce this guide for first-generation low-income students to for various resources or things to think about online. And so you can go through any of those sections for any challenge you might have during or after college. And it covers a lot of different topics, including transitioning and finding jobs and finding mentors and networking and relocating, all of those different topics, or going to grad school. So if anyone wants to hit me up and wants to have a conversation about anything, then I'm open to that as well. Thank you so much for joining us today, Josh. It's been really great having you on and getting to know a little bit about your story. Thanks, Luis. As you've heard from our guests, having a support community can be helpful in many ways. They can be the people you study with and can help you in assignments or that share your interests or those who can relate to some of your personal experiences and can be that moral support. They are made up of people that you can connect with and share bond, but as our guest mentioned, you also have to have that communication and trust. And they require authenticity and active listening and can sometimes be challenging to maintain if you don't dedicate time to cultivate the relationships. Whether you're in high school or beyond college, we can all benefit from having a village accompanying us on our journey to remind us that we're not alone. Thanks again to our speakers and thank you for tuning in to How to College for First Gens. As always, you can find resources mentioned online on our website at howtocollegefirstgen.org. We'd love to hear from you. Share with us who's part of your community on social media. You can find us at howtocollegefirstgen on Instagram and Facebook and htcfirstgen on Twitter. Remember, you are not alone in this journey. Until next time. <music>